You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week, we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. Thank you for tuning in to episode 88. Have you been thinking about starting your own Etsy shop, but feel like you might get lost in a sea of sellers? Today's guest shares her journey into selling watercolor art, and she gives us some great tips for standing out in a crowded space. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you. I received your beautiful watercolor mushroom prints several weeks ago, and I'm absolutely in love with them. Can you tell me how you got started with watercolors and how that led into your business? Well, that is a very old story. It's a good question. I started in watercolor as a young teenager. I actually really like that question because my mom... I think, saw in me a need to feel good at something. And just one summer, I think after eighth grade, she put me in art classes, in watercolor classes. And that was the beginning of everything. And I'm not sure if you were expecting such a far back history story, but but that is where it began. And ever since then, I've been driven in that direction. And I really do think that is where my career in art started was my mom just seeing in me a need to put my creative energy into something. And I think all kids need something to feel good at, something to feel successful in. I think all people need that. And she recognized the need in me. And I met this amazing teacher who just... I bonded with, and she was a really great watercolor teacher. And I fell in love with watercolor back then, and I ended up exploring all kinds of media. And I went to art school and was always dabbling in different things, but I did commission work and had a lot of different art related jobs and worked for artists and was an art assistant and display coordinator and things like that. But four years ago almost, I really decided to make it an actual venture. And watercolor has just been that thing that's always been with me and I can pick it up and put it down and take it wherever I go. And it's really conducive to my life right now. And I don't know that I'll always do watercolor or that it will always be the medium for this business. But for right now, it's the right thing with the needs of my family and and my needs. What inspired you to start that as a small business? What was the thing that, you know, propelled you into saying, I'm going to make this into a business? Well, I think that drive and desire to contribute and and just need. My husband and I literally just had a need to have an increase <laughs> in our finances. And I just look at what's in my hand to do. And I've always been able throughout the years, even before having an established business when we needed some extra income here and there, do some commission work or just sell some art because I've always been doing art along along the years. And that's just what I've had in my hand to do. And it has always been a desire of mine to have this business. My husband and I have had, we had a business before in landscape construction. And so I've had business experience. It just seemed like a natural thing to do. And the the time and energy was available to do it. I love that you have the knowledge that you're a good artist and that you're able to create a business out of it. I feel like as artists, we tend to say like, oh, maybe I'll just get 
a part-time job to help out, but I love that you recognize that you're a good artist and that there is a need for your artwork to be in the world. Who or what has been your biggest inspiration in this journey? That That's a good question. Seeing my work, it's all nature-inspired, and I am constantly in wonder and in awe of the natural world around us. Just the beauty of nature inspires me and the intricacies of the patterns and cycles of nature are so inspiring to me. And there's so much that I feel unable to even communicate. And I feel like what I'm doing right now is just kind of reflecting what I see, but there's so much more that I want to do. And I feel like in essence, what I'm doing right now is just practicing for so much more that I want to do. So for example, the prints that I had received, do you actually look at something like a photograph or do you actually find a piece to inspire you to create? Or is this something that you're able to just drum up from your imagination? I do not have the gift of inventing something realistic like that from my imagination. People who can do that can think of a bunny rabbit and paint a bunny rabbit. I'm so impressed by. I definitely need something to look at. And as much as I can, I like to take source photos myself because then I can um, control the outcome as much as possible. And I've also seen something in all of its dimensions and understand it. And I'm also most inspired by it. So my kids and I go on hikes and explore and find all kinds of things, and I photograph them. But there are a number of things that I'll find source photos of and use, or I have um, source books that I use, like encyclopedia-type resource materials. I would agree that if you're able to actually actually experience or see something for yourself or take that photograph, you're picking the angle that you want to work with. I think my best pieces come from the things that I've experienced firsthand. As far as your outlook on overcoming the daily challenges that we face, what led you to realize that it was a choice? Because I I loved that perspective in that little note that you had written. I feel like a lot of times we look at our situation and we just assume that something is, you know, happening to us instead of for us. And I love that you're seeing every, you know, challenge as something that we're able to overcome and that it's a choice. I think it's a combination of life experience. I have chronic migraine, which I have choice. People with chronic migraine deal with chronic daily pain and symptoms, and I could choose to wallow or just have difficult days that aren't productive, which there are difficult days that aren't productive, or I could overcome. You know, pain strips away, I feel like, the polite nature of ourselves. And it really shows me, at least, who I am when I don't have have the energy to be my best self, <laughs> you know, the self that mm-hmm. I'm, and I just look at myself that way. I don't want to put any, put words in anyone else's mouth, but I know that when I'm in pain, I don't have the energy to be my most polite self or things like that take a gritty overcoming energy or repetitive practice to look at myself and say, this is who I am. I'm not maybe as nice as I thought I was. And this pain is showing me what my real self is. You know, we can use pain or life circumstances as an excuse sometimes. And sometimes it it is valid. But for me, I choose to to take the hard things, hard circumstances, and, and try as much as I can to change for the better. Life experiences, my relationship with God, my faith, 
helps push me because I know I can't become a better person by myself. I love that you give yourself the grace to understand all that. It's hard to not only be suffering through something as horrible as migraines, but if you can't allow yourself the space to have those days that aren't productive, if you can't recognize that it's just going to be a part of life, I would imagine you're just going to constantly be torturing yourself. So I think that's really, really important that you allow yourself that grace and it's great that you're able to recognize that. Well, you're so right because I've been I've been there too where I, you know, used to beat my head against a wall basically with frustrations. I think that's where a lot of it has come from as well is especially as wanting to have a business. I I homeschool my kids. I I do a lot of things. I am a production oriented person by nature. I like to have all these balls in the air, but when you have a physical condition that stops you in your tracks on a regular basis, you can either be completely frustrated by it or just, like you said, give yourself grace, give other people grace, and try to make the best of it and try to grow with it. Stressing only makes things worse. I didn't realize you were homeschooling your kids, which really fills up your plate quite a bit. So it's almost like imperative (laughs) that you give yourself that break. It's true. Well, that's what's wonderful about this business is that I don't see it as work. It is it is a retreat for me. And I wouldn't do it if it was stressful work to me. It is it's that thing that refills me. It's that thing that is is refreshing for my soul. It's the thing that refuels me and makes me a better mom, that makes me more patient. It is the thing that is that helps me refuel. So that is a big reason why I do it. Can you tell me about the artwork that you created for the listeners that don't know what you make? Yes, I make original watercolors and I've started introducing prints. They are nature inspired, mostly focusing on moths and mushrooms. But this year I'm planning on branching out a little bit more. So your original pieces, you're creating these into prints? I am beginning to introduce more prints. So the pieces that you got are original paintings, those four. Okay, yeah, they're beautiful. What is the process that you use to create prints? It is a process where an original painting can be scanned or printed typically. I'm sorry, scanned or photographed and then uploaded into the computer. You can use various softwares, but basically the image needs to be edited to remove the background or any kind of static type of information that you're not going to want printed on your paper. For me, a lot of my artwork is a singular object, like a single mushroom or a single single moth. So I have to essentially cut out the moth from the background. I have to remove it from the background. And it sounds pretty simple, but it is a time-consuming process. So I'll remove that from the background, clean up the image at all, and then print it on what I like to use is a paper that is as similar to the type of paper that I paint on. So I like to use a 100% cotton rag paper. So it has that really nice kind of luxurious watercolor feel. I don't want you to panic about this amazing offer coming to an end, but I really felt called to share this with you. Flowdesk is offering a $19 per month lock-in price until November 2nd. 
Just in case you're wondering, Flowdesk is the most amazing email marketing platform ever. They have gorgeous templates that are super easy to use with features like unlimited emails, forms, and workflow automation. Staying in touch with your customers has never been easier. Just having unlimited emails and subscribers for the low price of $19 a month is a bargain. They even have Flowdesk University to help answer any of your questions, and their customer service is pretty incredible too. Do me a favor and just look at the platform. I know you'll love it as much as I do. Transferring my old list to this platform was a breeze. Be sure to check the show notes to get a special 50% off link while you still can. Now back to the show. I have seen some watercolors that have been reproduced that way, and it's pretty amazing, like you said, how closely you're able to get around the actual object to make it look like it was painted on that paper. So I could imagine it must take a very long time to edit properly. I think people who are more tech savvy than I are probably faster than I am. But I, to be honest, am new to the printmaking process. My background in art is so, I am so media oriented. I love painting and sculpting and I am becoming ever more tech savvy. So I am getting faster and I'm getting better. And (laughs) I'm so proud of myself because Last year, my goal was, well, one of my goals was to learn how to make prints. I'm very goal-oriented, and I think that's really important in a small business, no matter what stage you are, to, you know, incrementally grow. And I was so proud of myself for learning how to do that. And this year, there's going to be more prints coming. So it's very exciting. I look forward to seeing those. And do you sell on other platforms other than Etsy? I don't. I'm really not ready that yet. Do you have any tips for the new Etsy seller? Yes. Etsy is a great platform to sell on. I hear a lot of people when they're vacillating back and forth about, you know, should I sell on Etsy? Shouldn't I? And my advice is Etsy is a great place to sell on, but they're not going to sell it for you. Etsy does a lot. They're totally worth the percentage and the portions that they take of your sale. They do a lot of work. They are bringing a an audience to you, but they're not going to sell your work for you. You have to drive sales to your site as well, to your Etsy store. So I think having a realistic mindset about your Etsy store, because I've definitely talked to people who have opened a Etsy shop and then sat for a while and just kind of waited, waited for the hordes to come. And so just having a realistic approach that Etsy is a great place to sell on, but you have to do things to bring the other portion of your audience there. And social media is a great place. And Pinterest is a really untapped, still yet untapped place to to bring people from to your Etsy store. And I, again, Nancy Badillo would be a great, a great person to find really easy Etsy beginner information. Yes, I agree for sure. When you were mentioning opening your store, I, when I first opened my store on Etsy, I remember listing something. It was, I think I had just listed a rosary and it just felt like it sat there forever and ever. And a friend of mine wanted to purchase some 
something. So I said, well, can you just buy it off of Etsy? And she said, sure. So I was so super excited. So she bought the piece that she had ordered from Etsy. And I really do believe that when you're first starting out, just ignore the fact that there are going to be some fees. There'll be small fees, but I feel like it's better to send people there, have people buy directly from the site. And this way you start getting reviews and there must be an algorithm that notices how your store just opened up and here you are selling and here you're getting five-star reviews. And in the beginning, it does feel a little lonely out there. (laughs) You just put everything out there and it's like you said, you you just can't sit there and wait. You have to actually drum up business a little bit. Do you find that Instagram does a good job for you in converting? Yeah. In the beginning, I felt like I'm, I'm, I'm out there and I'm doing this and it has taken a while. And I really do believe that for, for a while, I felt like, oh, I need more followers. And I've really begun to not worry about the number of followers because there have been times when I've seen spikes in followers and realized that these people following me are not going to help me at all. And I really don't think they care about what I'm saying or what I'm presenting. But really just a small group of people are going to be the valuable people, the people that actually interact with you or the people that go to your Etsy site. And, you know, there are ways to drum up lots of followers, but they may not be the meaningful ones. And more recently, I have, I've really seen a direct good correlation between good followers and good conversion. It takes time, but I think don't be discouraged by big numbers or, or putting lots of content out there to get lots of followers or just, just the right followers doesn't have to be a lot. Yes, I agree completely. I feel like it does frighten people when they start out and they don't have a big following. But I had mentioned in a previous episode, someone had told me that when they first started their Instagram page, they didn't invite all of these people to to like the page because a lot of the people maybe wouldn't be interested buyers. So if you do just let your page grow slowly and organically, I think everyone that finds you is going to be more of a customer than just somebody who is following you because they're related to you. Right. I agree. I definitely agree. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about, you were mentioning that you do some commission pieces. Are you still able to do that or are you restricted with time? I don't do as much commission work, honestly, because since moving from Pennsylvania to Maine a few years ago, I am not as connected with people. Commission work, I feel, at least the commission work that I did before, I received so much of through word of mouth and through the connections that I had in Pennsylvania. I knew so many people because I'd gone to college in Pennsylvania. I'd worked for so many different programs and galleries and things like that, that it just kind of came to me. And I moved to Maine almost four years ago, and I haven't really plugged into an art scene here. I've really poured into an online scene, and I haven't Mm -hmm. highlighted commission work. But recently, I've been kind of reassessing how my Etsy listings are framed, I suppose, and making sure that I'm offering customizable work. Because I think that that is something that I haven't been really highlighting is customization. And I'd be happy to do commissions. I would definitely do them. I think I just haven't been marketing that way through my online business. Do you have any advice for someone just starting out their 
small business? I would say that grow at your own pace. Having previous business experience in a different industry, as well as this small business experience, I think it's really important to make small incremental growth, if that's what's right for you. I'm sure there's somebody out there that is on some sort of really high, fast trajectory, and that's good for them. But I think for most of us, small, sustainable growth is is usually reasonable, is usually right. For me, at least, sustainable, stable growth is the game. And having had a previous business grow too fast and have it not be sustainable has really informed my current business. Having each decision planned out ahead of time, making sure I'm not investing from outside sources that aren't sustainable or aren't able to be planned out or prepared for. And I might be too cautionary, but I really feel like goals are important. Setting goals that are attainable. I mean, having lofty ideals is good. Having a dreamy spirit is good, but it feels so good to set attainable goals and check them off when you've reached them. Feeling successful in the short term is feels so good as a business owner to set short-term goals, goals that are a year out, goals that are five years out, goals that are 10 years out. Those are so valuable. So really for me, the biggest advice I would give is for sustainable growth that's based on goals. Yes. Well, it's hard to take a slow approach when it feels like everybody, you know, and it's just perception, but it feels like everybody is achieving, you know, their wildest dreams all overnight or like within six months or whatever. And I really don't feel like that's the way it is, but we tend to compare our beginnings to somebody's middles or somebody's, I don't want to say end because even people that are extremely successful continue to achieve more and more. You're right and saying that it's got to be a slow and steady growth. And even still, when something happens so quickly, sometimes you can't sustain it. So it's so much better to be able to understand your business 100% as it's growing. Yes. And you can enjoy it more. I really think, especially in a handmade industry where so many of us are taking our passion and something that we enjoy so much and making it a business, if we become pressured by the need for huge growth quickly, it can take something that is our joy and really turn it into the opposite. Yes, for sure. Was there ever a time where you felt like that imposter syndrome or maybe I've spoken to some people that have not started their business because they felt like everybody else is doing this already or or somebody is doing something very very similar. So they don't take the leap into small business ownership. Is Was there ever a time that you had to deal with that? Or were you pretty confident with the skill set that you had to oh, start a business? That is, I feel like that all the time. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like there's so many people that are capable of doing the same thing. There's other people painting moths and mushrooms. What could I offer that's different? And I've psyched myself out a million times. And I just have to remind myself that there is something unique in me. And I just have to give myself pep talks, you know? And there are millions of people out there buying art buying crafts, buying whatever it is that you're making. And I think we get, we've we proven that it's sustainable, that even if more than one person are making art about moths. <laughs> 
I think Etsy is probably the proof. Yes. You know, if you go on Etsy and you look up a pearl necklace, you're going to find a million pearl necklaces. I think everybody has their own approach, their own take, and everyone has their own signature. And I always feel bad for those that say, well, someone else is already doing it. It always breaks my heart a little thinking, well, yeah, but they're not doing it like you. So it's it's nice to know that you were feeling that and you overcame that. Yeah. And it's, and it's okay if If somebody is doing something similar, because what's so cool about Etsy is that people are walking into your story. Etsy is just as much about selling a story as it is about selling a product. I am so interested in people's bios and people's process. I'm as much buying that as I am their product. Mm -hmm. And that is what is so great. And that is what makes each person unique, even if they are selling something that's similar to someone else. They're selling an individual story. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I believe that's part that goes back to what you were saying about you kind of have to put in a little bit more than just your artwork. Mm-hmm. You know, And that to me, I love being able to say like, oh, this came from a particular person and this is what they do. And this is their story. It always feels a little bit more special when you can tell the recipient, you know, a little bit about the person that made that piece that you're giving them. Yeah. So I agree with you 100%. I do. I do think that's what makes platforms like Etsy, or even Amazon Handmade, or I'm sure there's others out there that sell, you know, artwork, but I think that's what makes them so special. Yeah, it's an an online experience of walking into a market where you get to meet someone, but you you get to do it behind your your computer screen. (laughs) Right, in your pajamas. Yep. (laughs) Could you tell us where we can find you? Yes, I have an Instagram account that you can follow at Lisa Mainhaven Decor, and you can find me on my Etsy page, Mainhaven Decor. Perfect. Well, thank you, Lisa. Your perspective and outlook, they're both truly inspirational. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there you have it, my friend. Another talented artist sharing her gift and small business tips with the world. I love Lisa's perspective on tackling the difficult stages in life. If we give ourselves the space to grow and understand who we are, we're better able to deal with our unique set of circumstances. I hope you found the tips and advice on Etsy and slow and steady growth as inspiring as I did. Visit the show notes to connect with Lisa and to see her beautiful work. I'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job.